cold open from Cold Stove. NRD is in front of me. I am in the Washed Media Studios in Austin, Texas. Uh, NRD, the reason it's a cold open is because I no longer have the file that had the uh, the intro music because I no longer have the laptop that had the intro music because I got robbed last night. Somebody decided that uh, they wanted my laptop back more than I did, so they shattered my back window of my Jeep, and I am uh, I'm, I'm playing hurt today, NRD. I'll say it that I'll, I'll say it that way. Yeah. I, I... Condolences <laughs> are with Brett Merriman right now. Uh, That's a tough one. I, I mean, I wish I could help you. I really do. I wish I had the audio file on my end. I, I, we're going to have to start silent today. We're going to silent start. <laughs> silent start off the rip. Um, you know, it's it's one thing to steal a laptop. It's, one, you know, phone chargers and whatnot. They left my golf clubs alone. They left my, my, my sunglasses in there. It's another thing to steal a man's Tums, NRD. You don't you don't fuck with a man's tums. Did they take the tums? Took the tums. Took the chapstick. That's the, I'm I'm almost more mad about that than anything. I would be. I mean, somebody breaks into your car, you expect them to take the expensive shit. I'm surprised they didn't take the golf clubs. I mean, who knows what they? I I could tell they went through my uh my like glove box. I could tell they went through my console because there was like easy pass you know brochures everywhere. But no, yeah. just just. Smashed the back window, took the laptop bag, and then and then bounced. I hope you know what. I hope they got cut on the on when they did that. I hope they got a fucking piece of glass in their finger. Hope the glass got them. Scumbag. They obviously had indigestion, so you got one up on them there. Yeah, they took the tongue. Unbelievable. They were dealing with some issues. We're not here to talk about that though. We're here to talk about hockey, NRD big week. Um, it it kind of feels like it kind of feels like the calm uh, after the storm, if you will. You know, we've been all revved up the last couple of months with Eichel and, and the Blackheart situation. It all kind of feels like it's we're, we're landing the plane a little bit now and uh, just hitting the reset button on the NHL sort of season at this point. What are, what are your impressions of the last week or so and, and going, you know, coming out of the weekend? Where do we go from here? It's actually interesting because. I thought about this this morning before we started recording. It feels like this Eichel trade happened six months ago, but at the same time, it feels like it just happened. I mean, we've waited so long for this domino to drop in the National Hockey League, and now that it finally did, it was crazy for that 24-hour stretch where we had an emergency podcast. If you haven't listened to it yet, I suggest you do. There's a lot of great information in there about Eichel going to Vegas, why and the how and the what and the where. But... There was a lot of excitement for that, and then things kind of quieted down, and now it's back to business in terms of the trade front and teams interested and whatnot around the National Hockey League. I know that there's teams that were in the hunt for Eichel, Calgary, whether it's Anaheim, Detroit, who I know is in the mix, Pierre Lebrun said Carolina was hanging around, that some may have to pivot more than others, but... There are some more dominoes to fall in the National Hockey League. I'm just more so surprised by the, like you said, the calm after the storm. I mean, it was a storm for 24 hours after Jack Eichel went to Vegas, and then things kind of quieted and subsided since then. We haven't really been talking about it much. Maybe that's because he went on some other podcasts and did some hits and blasted (laughs) Buffalo and some other podcasts that blasted Jack Eichel, which I don't necessarily agree with either, but things have 
calm down and I'm interested to see where when and where things pick up again and the fact that there isn't any information on where or when things are picking up is not an issue to me it's not weird it's not out of the norm I guess because we still got four months to the deadline and when a player like Jack Eichel is available you exhaust all your resources and scouting into figuring out a deal to make that work there's going to be a lull before teams pivot to their next option on the market. Yeah, 100%. I mean, now it's going back into the cap room and seeing where you're at and say, okay, so if this person's available, that we they had all the scenarios planned out for one guy. You know, back to, to like Thursday morning when it, it was all breaking. And like you mentioned, go listen to the Cold Stove emergency pod for, for our, our immediate thoughts. Um, but going back to that and over the weekend, like it's come out that the interview uh, that Jack did with Sportsnet with Elliot, that that interview would have gone very differently if he had not been traded that morning. And then you connect the dots with John Vogel, who said there's some external pressure um, to get the deal done. I think he tweeted that Wednesday night. And, and connect those dots. Okay, so somebody knew that Jack was going to talk and Jack was going to absolutely you know, flame the situation. Whoever it might have been, uh, probably the Pagulas would have been targeted in that situation. Um, but I think the, that was helpful. And then the, then Elliot goes over to Jack's house on Thursday morning, and it's it's all sunshine and rainbows. He's Vegas Golden Knight, and and uh, and there we go. But more fallout from that. It's come out that Calgary uh, is not thrilled with Kevin Adams over the weekend. Probably one because they didn't get Jack Eichel. But two, there was that uh, rumor tweeted on Wednesday night where it was Kachuk was involved and, and you know, a couple other pieces that uh, the validity has since been in question. Do you, do you get where Calgary is coming from here? I see why they're upset. It's actually funny that you brought that up because, first of all, I love every single one of my followers. I appreciate you all. You are tremendous. The NRD Bomb Squad goes deep. I love it. But I will say this. When people say that there's no such thing as a stupid question, I disagree because I had one follower of mine, and I don't mean to dog on them, but they wanted a grievance or a, um, not collusion, I'm trying to, the word's escaping me right now, um, but interference, I guess, filed against the uh, against the Buffalo Sabres for, for leaking that purported trade offer. They wanted something, some injunction. Something was wrong there. Something was illegal, Let's, and I had to basically explain. And I, like I said, I hate dogging my followers. They're great people. I, I love them all. But there's, there's nothing wrong with what Kevin Adams did in terms of legality. I mean, that's right. that's negotiating through the media. That's what happens in the National Hockey League. It's very clear what happened. Something was close on Friday, or going back to two Fridays ago now. I guess if if you're listening to this later on in the week. Mm-hmm. But something was close with Vegas in, in Buffalo. Buffalo clearly didn't like something that Vegas didn't want to include. They were not happy with something. They go out. They leak the purported Matthew Kachuk offer to Kevin Weeks, which clearly wasn't an offer. Kachuk was never on the table. And we discussed this on the emergency pod. It would have been surprising to us if it was true, because now that we have the hindsight that it's not, because we think that Matthew Kachuk is a better asset than, trade, uh, than Jack Eichel in the trade market right now. So... It made no sense, but it got leaked. And you know what? Calgary could be upset all they want. It worked out for Kevin Adams 100%. It yeah. clearly worked out hook, line, and sinker because a day after that leaks, the, the deal gets done 24 hours later. Right. So 
it, it did what it intended to do. There's nothing illegal. There's nothing wrong. There's no um, collusion or anything like that of, of the media in Buffalo. That's how you negotiate through the media. And, you know, Calgary has every right to be pissed. But at the end of the day, they could have stepped up and made an offer for Jack Eichel. At the same time, as much as we sit here and say that, you know, Buffalo leaked this offer to get more out of Vegas, Buffalo also leaked this offer because if it ever got to the point where Calgary put Kachuk and some other piece on the table, Jack Eichel would be in Calgary right now. So it was not only to entice Vegas to step up, it was also to entice Calgary to say, this is what we're, this is the minimum we take from you. So the blueprint was laid out and Calgary didn't want to play ball. Yeah. I agree with them for being upset, but that's just that's just the way the cookie crumbles. I'm honestly surprised that that didn't happen more throughout this process. You know, I, I get that it was a delicate situation with the uh, asset that Jack is because it's not a just 100% healthy um, player on an expiring deal where it's just like, oh, here we go. Boom, flip. It's, it's a lot more complicated than that in that situation. If I, you know what? If I was Vegas, I would have leaked out. Oh yeah, Kevin Adams. He's he's going to retain salary. Look at this. Here's here's our offer with with Jack's retained salary. That's if you're Vegas, you should have done that to put pressure on the Pagulas and say, man, here's the return. I'm hearing the return from Vegas is this. If Kevin Adams retains two million bucks a year or whatever it may have been, then you get the the social media machine being like, oh my god, if if Kevin Adams doesn't do this, him and the Pagulas are crazy. And that, that's what Vegas should have done. Yeah, it, it, play it through the media. A, and to your point, it should have been done a lot more. I wonder if... And <clears throat> listen, we know Pat Brisson was brought in to broker a trade, right? Like he couldn't negotiate the trade with these teams, but he was come in to, he was brought in to smooth things over between the Sabres, the Bagulos, Kevin Adams, and the Eichel camp. Or Jack Eichel specifically, because now Brisson is the Eichel camp. But that's what his role was. And I wonder if... You know, Brisson in this double agent, mutual, let's all be friends, let's all hold hands type role here, said to Kevin Adams, this is a good play that you haven't utilized yet to to kind of broker something to get done. Because clearly we know that the Peter Fish strategy was, we're going to leak everything through Jack's issues, the airing of grievances. This is 24-7 Festivus for Jack Eichel. He's pissed off all the time. Here's his problems with the Sabres organization, the surgery, the surgery, the surgery. We'll put out a statement at nine o'clock at night so like that was the fish strategy i wonder if kevin adams leaking that finally after all this time was something that came as a suggestion from pat person who's brokered many of major trades in the national hockey league brokered the matthew shane trade um so he's played his part in a lot of disgruntled players in the national hockey league and i wonder if that was a suggestion from him to kevin adams because like you said it's quite surprising that it hadn't been done before that yeah yeah so well you know what it's done, done deal. Um, he's now doing his his media tour. I gotta listen to the Spit and Chicklets exclusive. Good for them for landing that one. Um, it's great. I enjoyed that one. But uh, I like you know really quick. I, I'm I'm impartial to Jack. I don't know if that's grown on me because of you, Brett, and your your distaste for the Sabers front office and ownership right now. But you know, really quick, just to go in on this whole narrative that's being spun by by. First of all, and I'll name it. Listen, Andrew Peters and Craig Rivera are great guys. Gave me a chance to talk with them on WGR. People remember that from the offseason before the NHL draft. Formerly known as the Instigators, now known as After Lay Whistle on Twitter. After Lay Whistle. Uh, after Lay Whistle. But they're great. But 
I have this problem with the smear campaign going on with Jack Eicher right now. I'm not sitting here saying that he was ready to be a captain or a great leader, and he may not have been, but to say that Jack Eichel was this dickhead is just, it's bothering me because I don't think that was the case. I think that there's legitimate fault on both the, both Jack Eichel and the Sabres organization, but this, this defamation of Jack Eichel was a complete dickhead is just, it's rubbing me the wrong way. And it sounds, uh, it sounds less than authentic. Yeah. In my opinion. And like I said, they're great guys. I love them. That's not a shot at them at all. I appreciate them. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a closet listener to F after lay, uh, lay whistle in my free time after I'm done doing cold stove pod and promoting the shit out of us. Cause we got to get to the top three in the podcast charts, but, but, um, no, I just have a problem with that. It, it comes off a little disingenuous to me to, to now rip on Jack Eichel after he leaves the city of Buffalo. I don't think Jack Eichel really did much wrong. And I don't, and he did at the same time. I don't think the Sabres did much wrong and they did at the same time. So I think it's double fault and we just have to move on. I don't understand the Jack Eichel's a dickhead. Yeah. Uh, he's, Cause he's not, you can, you're, he's you're not. allowed to be a, you know, disappointed in a locker room after six years of losing the, the fact that it, it was rubbing off on other players as like the jack Eichel's a locker room cancer i i don't buy that i i've heard differently um i you can you can disagree in a locker room you can be pouty but i don't question the leadership on that standpoint um he was always an, an incredible person in the community an incredible person uh to the to the people at PSE, the Google Sports Entertainment. So let, let's let let Jack go be Jack, and I, I'm I'm happy for him, and always was happy with him in Buffalo. I I agree with you. I don't share the same sentiment um, of his leadership. Was should he have been a captain at 24 or 22, whenever it was? That that can be up for debate, but don't don't trash his character because I don't that that's coming from a place of malice, and, and I I do not agree with it. So correct. Let's move on NRD. Now that he's off the block, a couple names that have still been uh, tossed around, the uh, our Russian pals, Vladimir Tarasenko and Vitaly Kravtsov. Give me my money. What's uh, any, any deets on what they're up to these days? Nothing new on that end. Uh, really quick, what's, what's hilarious, and, and we discussed this. So on the cutting room floor of last week's episode of the Cold Stove Podcast, was a great segment on the Vitaly Kravtsov loan to Tractor of the KHL. Mm -hmm. And there were some reports at the time. I had heard some stuff. There were some reports out of Russia that were talking about how the deal was done for Kravtsov to be transferred to play for Tractor. And right after we recorded the pod and discussed this, the Rangers organization came out and said, that's not a done deal. They did that through Vince uh, Mercagliano of, of USA Today. And so we kind of said, well, what do we do here? Because we obviously trust the information, but at the same time, the New York Rangers are concrete and coming out and saying that it's not, it's not done for him to be transferred to tractor yet. So we ended up putting that discussion, which was great, by the way, on the cutting room floor. And now here we are a week later and Kravtsov had been approved to transfer to tractor the KHL. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's the only material change in that situation. Nothing really new there. But the, the Rangers would the reason prefer why to get Right, the reason why he's now loaned is to get him on the ice because people need to see him. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And that's the thing. So there were a lot of there were a lot of whispers and, and even through Kravtsov's statements. So Vitaly Kravtsov said in his statement after he the transfer was approved that he would love to come back and play hockey for the New York Rangers someday. That's his goal. His goal is to get back on the ice in New York for the Rangers. 
Um, I'm sure both sides, the Rangers organization of Vitaly Kravtsov, may genuinely share that same sentiment. But if the correct talent comes comes around and is available for Chris Jerry, I do believe Kravtsov will still be traded at this point. That hasn't obviously happened yet. And part of that is, to your point, what you just said and what we said together last week before that segment <laughs> got cut, is that I, I had spoken to one scout with an Eastern Conference team about it, and it was a clear case of, Teams do not know what they have in this asset because there had been question marks regarding his commitment level and his talent. And his talent was always there, but the commitment level and the work ethic out of Vitaly Kravtsov and the fact that he would now be going on the ice in the KHL and performing. And by the way, his first game back for Tractor, he had this crazy highlight reel goal. Probably You've all probably seen it. It was viral on hockey Twitter. Outstanding goal by Kravtsov. He's got all the skill in the world, but... I think that's what teams need to see now to to even consider going down that path with a trade, especially with the asking price that Chris Jury has, which is a first round or equivalent. Um, they need to see a commitment level. They need to see Krabs off on the ice. They need to see what they got, considering he's been sitting for quite some time now. Sure. Um, you on the, uh, While we're on the Rangers, they are, not, I wouldn't say off to a bad start. I wouldn't say off to a blazing start. If you're the Rangers and you have an asset in Kravtsov and you you have an asset and a couple other guys on their team, do you see them, you know, going to the trade deadline, looking to flip? Do you would you see them looking to acquire? Where are the Rangers at in sort of their rebuild when it pertains to this season? The re- in terms of the rebuild, the rebuild's done. Right, like the bring in Gerard Gallant to coach this hockey club. Gerard Gallant has a lifespan of two years anywhere he coaches in the National Hockey League, and usually one of those two years ends up in at least a conference final, if not a Stanley Cup final mm-hmm. appearance. He hasn't won the big dance yet, but he's gotten there with multiple teams. Um, so the rebuild's done in that sense. Now that you fired Quinn and you brought in Gerard Gallant, like you said, not a great start, not a bad start either. It reminds me a lot of the New York Rangers of 2014 when they went to the Stanley Cup final under Elaine Vigneault in his first season. Not a not a very efficient team. There's a lot of emphasis on the goaltender making 40 saves a night. And, and if there's anybody in the National Hockey League that's up for the task, I would say that's Igor Shosturkin right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's 8-0 and in career starts where he's had more than 40 saves, which is phenomenal. I mean, that stat just blows your mind if you're, if you're a fan of good goaltending. So... There's nobody the Rangers feel better about than being the backstop in being the backstop than Igor Shosturkin, but it just doesn't appear sustainable at this point. So if the Rangers continue down this path that they're on right now, where you know you you win a big one against Florida, but then you drop a couple on a West Coast swing. Now there is some handicap there with the West Coast swing. You're you're given a, a couple of strokes to put it into golf terms, um, playing in the West Coast and traveling and then having to come home, but. But if they're on this path right now, it doesn't look like they're, to me personally, it doesn't look like they're a Stanley Cup powerhouse contender in the East. And if that's the case, I wonder if they lean more towards flip or sell instead of buy in the sense that, hey, we got some expiring contracts on the books. No, not expiring contracts, but we, we have contracts that are being added onto the books next year in the Fox extension. We have to pay Capo Caco coming up soon. We have to pay um, Alexi Lafreniere a couple years down the line. So if that's the case, I wonder if the Rangers look to cut some of the expensive contracts that are on the books for the next couple of years and get cheaper. And whether that's 
even grittier, even younger. I don't know what the return would be because I think we're still far out for determining what that would really look like. But down the path as an organization, I think that is the course that they're on right now. If the ship's steered in a specific direction, it's currently on the path to flip or sell at the deadline. I don't think they, I don't know if the Rangers organization feels strongly enough about their contendership to to go for it this year. That being said, I think uh, we're going to see one of, if not both, Strom brothers uh, potentially on new clubs before the end of the year. What do you what What do you think about that? Hundred, I'd lock that in. I'd say there's probably greater than fifty. Both are on new clubs at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I definitely lock in hundred percent that one of them will be on a new club for the end of the year. Probably Dylan, obviously because we know what's going on in Chicago right now, and we know the organization's apparent this test for him and, and vice versa, but, but either way, one of them will be one, one of them will be playing somewhere else next year. You know, who's new, uh, who's new club. I'm on NRD. That's the manscaped club. Guess what? Fellas, the boys are buzzing because hockey is back. Want to know what else is buzzing? The lawnmower 4.0 from our friends at manscaped. They're the global leaders in male grooming trusted by over 2 million men. Worldwide, that's that's so many that's so many people rocking on Team Manscaped with us, NRD. Don't get Too chirped. Many. Don't get chirped this year for having a jumbo Joe Bush below the waist. Join the Manscaped movement for all your hairiest grooming needs, and you awesome deal too. You're getting twenty percent off plus free shipping with code Stove at Manscaped.com. I love the Manscaped, the entire box because they, they they hooked us up big time, but. Okay. Uh, they got the the nose trimmers too, the nose hair ear hair trimmer. Things great, unbelievable. You got the 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 OG Manscaped, uh, you know, regular the 4.0 lawnmower, which is great. Works in the shower, which is awesome. Just knocking two birds out or two birds with one stone every morning if you need to. I'm not that kind of guy. I don't I don't have I don't have hair everywhere, but it's it you know it, it gets the job done. Uh, the opening face off in the Battle of the Bush is the lawnmower 4.0. How about that? How about that line from uh, our friends over at Manscaped? It's a great line. When you order... I, I'm impartial to the Jumbo Joe or the Brent Burns, <laughs> but uh, that one's good too. <laughs> this package, pun intended, this package uh, gets you three, or excuse me, two free gifts as well. Like, are you kidding me? This includes their shed travel bag to keep all your goodies stored comfortably and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Botcher Briefs are included to take your botcher game to the next level. Can attest, they're, they're the type of botchers you can use like at the gym, on the golf course, at the, at the discoteca. They're, they're multi-purpose. So here's what you do. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code STOVE at manscaped.com. Don't be a goon and fight your bush with the other guys. Choose Manscaped. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code STOVE, S-T-O-V-E, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code STOVE. Don't get denied the pipe this season and shave your pants pucks with the right tools for the job. NRD. Um, Manscaped. In, you know, in this week's news, the Blackhawks are kind of, uh, you know, getting out of the, uh, the black hole that was last week. And one of the, I sort of, I, I guess one of the final pieces in the last couple of weeks for the Blackhawks was ultimately firing Jeremy Colleton. They've interim, uh, they've named interim coach Derek King, 
and said they will not be searching for a new coach until after the season. That leaves the Florida job and the Chicago job open right now. Your take on Colleton, uh, excuse me, hashtag Colleton out from our fans over, our friends over in Chicago. Not surprising. We need. We knew that it wasn't going to be Stan Bowman who fired him, and we knew he also they stunk at the same time. So with those two constants being withheld, one domino was going to have to fall. It did. Stan Bowman, you know, with everything but grace, stepped down from the Chicago Blackhawks organization. So now with Kyle Davidson as the interim GM, you know, it made things a lot easier to fire Jeremy Cotton. So, so the fact that it happened is not a surprise, but going forward, I'm a big fan of not conducting a coaching search in season, whether you're a good team or a bad team. I mean, you look at Florida, who's very good, and Chicago, who's not very good. Um, I'm not a fan of conducting coaching search in season anyway. You don't know what shakes out at the end of the year. You you don't know if any assistant coaches around the National Hockey League that have head coaching potential would consider a job down the line. They obviously wouldn't consider it in season. So buying yourself more time by, you know, conducting a search in the offseason is the right way to go. And it's quite ironic with Chicago doing any sort of investigation or search the right way this time around. Um, zing. But zing. That's a that's a shot, a shot at Chicago. Uh, but no, I think it's the right move. Derek King coached with the, the Rockford Ice Hogs, I believe, in the AHL before getting the call up to Chicago. Just a fresh voice. I wonder if it does much for the Chicago room. They're not they're not a very great team. I mean, they made the addition in Marc-Andre Fleury and Seth Jones in the offseason, and Tyler Johnson's close to returning. But I don't love the way the roster is made up. I mean, they haven't been good for the past couple of years. And I like Seth Jones, and I've said this multiple times, but I don't know if he was the, the keystone to propelling that team from out of the basement and back into being a contender in the National Hockey League. And Marc-Andre Fleury has not played up to what we know Marc-Andre Fleury could play like as well. So they're not great. So I don't know how much the coaching change will, cha- will change things in Chicago. But I like the move. It makes sense. Chicago needed to do something about the on-ice um, performance because you can't you can't correlate the on-ice performance right now to everything that happened in the past week or so with the investigation. So somebody needed to fall and the right, the right person fell. I mean, it was evident that Cotton lost that team, lost the locker room. So it was the right move. Yeah, you needed a fresh face in there. Um, you know, it's one thing to to have a guy to like stick by and and stick with me through thick and thin type of thing. And maybe that worked if they were playing well uh, with the on ice product. They're a horrendous team under a, a cloud of of criticism, under a cloud of what was going on behind the scenes, and and then very publicly. You need a a, a reset. You absolutely need a reset, and Colleton had to go at that point. He was Stan's guy. I do wonder what it, you know how a, a Kane and Taves feel about this. Is they made a pretty public uh, backing of a Colleton. Then again, Jack Eichel publicly backed Ralph Kruger. We all know how that one turned out. Rooting for the Blackhawks, the guys in that locker room going forward because they've been through a lot. They've been exposed to a lot. That they nobody you know, nobody asked for, right? Especially the new guys. So I am rooting for that on ice product and those fans because they've been through a lot. So I, I'm hoping right. this guy, uh, Mr. King, I'm hoping he can turn it around here. But that brings up a, another question that I have: is who else 
may be on the hot seat as we speak. What kind of the, the starts around the league are? Some teams are are off to a weird start, like kind of Vegas, Colorado, uh, Tampa. Right? They're they're not the powerhouses that we thought. People uh, up in Canada, you know, Dom Ducharme and Travis Green haven't exactly uh, gotten to the the starts they wanted. Hashtag Jim Benning. But where are we at around the league as far as as far as hot seats go? In terms of first name that stood out to me was Dom Ducharme in, in Montreal. So the thing with Ducharme is this, and as I've said millions and millions of times here and on Twitter, they're not good. Period. They weren't really good last year. And if if anybody remembers some of my reporting going back to the previous offseason and the previous season was that anything short of a Stanley Cup Finals appearance of Dom Ducharme would have gotten thrown back into the interim coaching tag and would have stayed in the mix and they would have interviewed other candidates. Well, what happened? Montreal did end up going to a Stanley Cup Final last year. So Ducharme got the interim tag removed. He got hired. He got the job. And now you're starting to see some of that same old Montreal that was under Claude Julien. Right? I believe it was Claude Julien. It was. It was. Dom Ducharme. Yeah, so... So you're seeing the same old Montreal Canadiens team that was prior to the the shortened season. I don't see anything happening to Ducharme in year because Bergevin's out at the end of the year for all intents and purposes. So if you're going to do a reset on an organization, you might as well just bring in a new general manager, a new president of hockey ops, and let them kind of go through a co- coaching search at the end of the season. So Ducharme, I'd call him a sitting duck right now in Montreal. You're just you're riding out the year with Ducharme and seeing what happens. Because either way, even if Ducharme turns this thing around and you bring in a new GM and a president of hockey ops, it's up to them to assess whether they want to work with Don Ducharme, right? So he's more or less a sitting duck right now in Montreal. The other interesting name, Colorado. You would sit here and say that three years ago, you wouldn't expect Jared Bednar to be fired, but he still can't get it done. And I wonder how much patience is running thin there. It reminds me a lot of the John Cooper situation before Tampa Bay ripped off back-to-back Stanley Cups. We sat here and said, I don't know, is John Cooper really the guy? Because they keep coming up short. They're getting there, but they're not able to get over the hump. And especially after that 4 nothing sweep to Columbus, noise started up about John Cooper's on his last legs in Tampa. And then what does Tampa do? They go out and they win two Stanley Cups. And now nobody even questions the fact that John Cooper is the top coach in the National Hockey League. I wonder if we're in the same uh, situation with Jared Bednar in Colorado in that patience is running thin. They have an extremely talented team. If they can't get it done again this year, how much longer are you going to give Jared Bednar? If you know, if, if you're Joe Sackick in that front office and you believe that the talent is there to win a Stanley Cup, the talent is there to win five Stanley Cups, and you just haven't, somebody's going to have to be the fall guy. It was almost John Cooper in Tampa before he turned it around. I wonder if it's the same for Jared Bednar in Colorado. Yeah, you know, and and Bednar to me has never felt like the guy that you go to when when the rebuild is complete. You know, he feels like a, a Dave, uh, Dave Quinn to me, right? Where it's, Correct. he gets you to the top and then a Gerard Gallant, a Claude Julien. A, one of those type of guys come in and get you through the regular season, and then they're invaluable when it comes to a Game 6 in Edmonton or a Game 7 in Vegas, right? That moment still feels big for Jared Bednar to me. And now he can, I would love him to shut my ass up and say, 
I can, I can more than, I'm more than capable of doing this. But I just wonder how much patience a guy like Joe Sackett has when he knows that his roster is, you know, it's going to get sketchy when it comes to the cap uh, very, very soon for them. So it feels like the put up or shut up year for Colorado in terms of are they are they the the team that we all think they are? You know, they don't they, they, I'll, I'll give them this. They haven't been 100% healthy. McKinnon's had COVID and it's been a, you know, kind of sputtering out of the gates. But part of me wonders if they don't just go on early January going to the Olympic break and and rip off like 12 in a row. And they're like, "Okay, Colorado's fine." So Yeah, I think that there's recency bias and a lot of hot takes in sports in general but i i feel pretty secure in in backing with what i'm saying about the john cooper and jared bednar i think that's a really good comparison i'm not just tooting my own horn here i think that you're looking at a very similar situation where the patience is running thin time is now to act the talent is in place the roster is in place like you mentioned the cap situation is going to be hell going forward so now is your chance to get it done and um if he doesn't there's candidates out there. I know one guy in particular that's looking for a job. Well, why don't you drop that news right here, NRD? Who is fishing? John Tortorello's got his bucket, uh, bucket hat and his Columbia fishing vest on right now. I bet looking you. For a jo- I, I wonder if Torch can fish for shit. I wonder. I wonder if he's if he's the type of the guy that he goes out on the boat and he's just like, "What are we doing here?" Or he enjoys that kind of stuff. He's the guy that goes out on the boat and just like drop the lines in the water and 30 minutes goes by and now he's getting like fucking pissed, right? Because there's no fish biting, right? right. So it's like something's got to change up. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, we got to do something differently. The fish aren't biting. And you got to explain to him, hey, Torts, this is fishing. Sometimes it takes a little <laughs> while for the fish to bite on. Uh, but I do know he's looking for a job. So he's got the patience enough to fish for a job around the National Hockey League. I don't know if it's going to come in season. Obviously, like we said, both off, both coaching openings right now are, are not going to be conducting an in-season search. But Tortorella is sitting there with his cushy job at, in Bristol, Connecticut at ESPN. Uh, and I think he wants to get back into coaching in the National Hockey League. Maybe give it one more shot with the contending team. You know, hell, who knows what happens in, in a... Colorado. I don't think Tortorella would coach in Montreal. I don't think that's his style. But oh, can you uh, imagine those two going at each other, Colorado and the Montreal, or excuse me, Tortorella and the Montreal media? Yeah. Oh, what a like a a beautiful disaster that would be. That'd be great entertainment. I mean, it'd be great for us to talk about, but probably not great for Torts or Montreal for that matter. But I wonder if Torts would be. I, I think he's fishing selectively, right? So, so the right job has to come around. I, I don't think he's jumping on the. The Arizona Coyotes bandwagon. Now I know they just hired a coach, and I'm not trying to rag on the Coyotes, but like that type of situation, I don't think he's ready to jump back into coaching just for the sake of coaching. Right. I think the right fit would have to be there, but he's interested, and he would absolutely entertain any and all offers about the right fit for a contending team around the National Hockey League. He had smoke on him to the Sabers in the in last off season, and whereas a Jared Bednar and Don Granado feel like the guys to get you through that rebuild and get you through, I'm not saying tanking, but right, but just a, a not very good hockey team with a lot of young players on it. Torts is not the guy to do that. Torts is the no. guy that goes in with weapons, with veterans, understands the, the NHL code, wants guys that understand the NHL code, and can win. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what Torts is up to uh, later this season. I'll say Tortorella, Claude Julien, 
they'll have jobs sooner than later. I, I can't imagine Tortorella is the type of guy that likes to sit back in the analyst chair and, and talk about hockey for too long before really wanting to get back with the boys. No, and I think that's what some of the whispers are. I know last season, the big the big name on the big, not name in terms of coaching talent, but the the most recognizable name that wanted a coaching job was Patrick Waugh. Um, he was fishing very hard. He wanted that Montreal job. So so I've said this multiple times, and you can look back on my Twitter feed. Patrick Waugh was all over that Montreal coaching job. Unfortunately, they just never got to that point because, like I said, Dom Ducharme went on a Stanley Cup final run with the team. Uh, I don't see that this offseason with Patrick Waugh. I think he's laying low right now. So Tortorella is now the most recognizable name, whether you think he's the biggest name in terms of coaching talent or just the biggest name in terms of familiarity. He's now the biggest name, I think, going into this offseason that will interview everywhere. Well, let me ask you this. Is Patrick Waugh the GM of the Montreal Canadiens next season? I'm not, like, if you're Montreal, I'm not the biggest fan of doing that because really? I, I'm not, yeah, because I think Patrick Waugh is a hell of a coach. I don't trust his ability to build a roster. Oh, um, shit. He's really, he's really only done it at the Q level with the Quebec Ramparts, right? So he, I don't trust his ability to, to work the cap and, and to run a roster in the National Hockey League. Now, it's not to say he doesn't take some GMing one-on-one from his buddy Joe Sackick during the season and maybe they exchange a couple of texts and they prep each other for the interview but i don't know i'm not i personally would not if i was the the molson family or the whoever owns the fucking canadians at this point i would not feel great about giving all that responsibility to uh patrick wah i'd much rather him as a head coach but for a fan base that needs a shot in the arm Sees a guy putting together a pretty good club up there. Uh, excuse me, on Trebien club. Keep an eye out on Patrick Waugh and the Montreal Canadiens GM search at the end of the season. Uh, one other name on the, um, you know, kind of the reported hot seat, cold stove hot seat, uh, Peter DeBoer in Vegas. I think he is going to get a pass on this season given their uh, injuries, their health issues, the Eichel situation. Vegas, whatever they've, they've done is the last couple of years has been incredibly successful. Um, DeBoer is, is not working with a, a loaded gun at this point, I'll put it that way. So no. I, I think he, he's, he's going to get a pass at least at the early part of the season. Um, but I do wonder if a guy like Travis Green in Vancouver – uh, needs to get the get the guys in order. Put it that way. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what Florida does. I'm looking forward to seeing what Chicago does at the end of the season. Uh, Montreal, I would imagine, would be another job that's open. I don't want to report that yet, uh, depending on how Ducharme finishes it out, but interesting to watch. The other piece of fallout from the last week with the Chicago Blackhawks was what is the NHL doing? Now, two things. One, news today that they will not be hiring, or excuse me, they will not be supporting John Doe 2 in any counseling or therapy moving forward, which is um, the high school student that was sexually assaulted by Brad Aldrich in 2013 after he was free to walk from Chicago with no review that said uh, he's a rapist. Why 
will the NHL refuse to uh, be a decent player in this? Why do they refuse to support a, a, a person who was traumatized? And why do they keep shooting themselves in the foot? I wish I had a better answer for you. My it's embarrassing, mind, NRD. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. My mind goes, and I'm not. I don't have an answer for everything. I really don't. My only thought process is, and as disgusting as this may sound, I think that at the end of the day, Bettman works for the 32 owners of the National Hockey League, and I wonder how quickly the owners want to bury the story. And I, I wonder if the owners are telling Bettman, "Listen, we're we're done with this. We handled the Aldrich thing," and because that goes back, and it really makes sense in terms of this old boys club of hockey that we've discussed it, it makes perfect sense if you subscribe to that religion of the old boys club of hockey that these owners would sit here and say we're done with this let's move on enough with the stuff and, and whether we agree or disagree with that mindset which i disagree with i think they should be supporting john doe too but um it makes sense for the own that's the only thing i can think of in my mind is the owner saying we're moving on we handled it at the national hockey league level we're not dipping into the John Doe 2 or the high school student, we we handled this from a National Hockey League standpoint. And you, Batman, as the owner of the league, you work for us. So you do as we say because we'll remove your ass if if you push us any further. It just seems like such a no-brainer to support. Even if, no matter how tangentially he's associated with what's happened, um, John Doe 2, which he's, it's not even tangential, but let's give the NHL the benefit the of the doubt. Right. Why would you not be sprinting to him saying what do you need how can we help immediately so it's just another black eye for me on a on a horrendous saga that the nhl refuses to get right which brings me to does that surprise you though does that no does that surprise you that the national hockey league doesn't get this right does that surprise you that now one week removed they continue to put out the wrong foot continue to not take the right steps i mean that's why that's why i wish i had a better answer i don't have an answer for everything but it doesn't surprise me that this is the NHL's charted course of action on this. Yeah, absolutely. But that brings me to, to, to point number two, is that I do know that there is chatter um, among owners that there some of them are not happy. I don't know who, I don't know how many, but some are, are, are not happy with Batman, as they, as they should be. The problem being... With 32 teams in the league, I think, do you need 23 or 24 owners to vote to remove Gary Bettman? It's honestly unprecedented to the point where I'm not even sure what the rule is. I'm not even sure if all 32 have to say he's gone. I'm not sure if it's a majority. Um, If it's all 32, it won't happen because we know Mr. Jacobs in in Boston will never get rid of Gary Bettman as a commissioner of the National Hockey League. Um, So it'll at least be a 31 to 1 vote there. Um, But I'm not sure what the ruling is on removing so, that. Well, let me check into that. I put that on here because I did hear that chatter. We'll we'll get it. You know, I I I can't see it happening immediately. If it does, I'd be surprised. I do know there is chatter. Speaking of um, sexual assault lawsuits, the Penguins have settled with Coach Jared Scaldi and his wife Erin pertaining to the charges leveled against uh, Coach Donatelli a couple of years ago. Happy it's settled. Happy everybody gets some closure on this. Um, and happy that, from all by all accounts, the Penguins handled the situation 
you know, I don't want to say it was perfect, but swift action was uh, was taken. Coach was removed, and they they handled it as best to, as they could. Obviously, something happened because there was a, a follow up lawsuit that we're at today, and there was a settlement. But uh, but I just wanted to mention that that has been um, resolved. The one thing that is not resolved is Bill Darren and his role in it because he is on a current, uh, under a current investigation by Safe Sport that is in the early stages, according to reports. Anything on the Penguins lawsuit? No real thoughts on the Penguins lawsuit in terms of in terms of information. There's no real information that I have in terms of my take. Um, just watch out, Team USA, because now there's another guy that you, for all intents and purposes, have now appointed as the general manager of the Nash, uh, the Team USA Hockey Club that's going to Beijing, and he's still under investigation by Safe Sport for for some allegations. So, yep. I, I think that that's the one thing you're looking at here is is Bill Guerin and his ability to even fulfill the role as general manager for Team USA. To uh, to to give the other side of the story, uh, Bill Guerin has completely denied any wrongdoing said uh, action was taken swiftly and, you know, he's happy to cooperate with every side of this. So hopefully that's resolved. Hopefully uh, people can get some closure. Hopefully that the uh, victim of that uh, is, you know, finding solace in in what has taken place after the fact. Um, Back to hockey. Hockey, hockey. Uh, One name that I wanted to mention on the block, the trade block that is, is Sam Girard in Colorado. They have a pretty good defenseman in Bowen Byram who uh, has made Gerard somewhat of a tradable asset. Anything on Sam Gerard and the Avalanche? It's a great defenseman. I mean, he's he's potentially in the mix for Team Canada. So I think teams would pony up for Sam Gerard. You know who he makes a lot of sense on? The New York Islanders. I'm not sure if the Islanders have even explored that route yet. There is the pipeline there with the Devontae's trade couple of years prior prior so these teams have discussed defensemen in the past like i said i think the one thing that i want to reiterate here is that it's way too early for me at least personally to start determining specific fit and player and team it's all speculative at this point as we approach the trade deadline and even the trade freeze in december we're still a month out from that and another three or four months from the trade deadline but speculatively speaking he makes a lot of sense in the new york Islanders who are looking for help on the blue line probably more offensively um, tuned than they might be wanting. I think they want somebody stronger on the back end, but he's a great defensive talent nonetheless. And you know what? I always say this. Everybody says defense wins championships, but you know what makes a great defense? Offense. If you carry the puck out of the zone every damn time, you don't have to worry about, you know, having somebody solid on the back end because Sam Gerard just carry the puck out and break out every time. So makes a lot of sense there. I don't know what assets they have to give up. I'd have to see about the salary. Just speculatively speaking, though, if you told me player A, Team A, what makes sense in terms of a fit? It would be the New York Islanders. Yeah, and he's five million dollar cap hit for the next more than more than five years. So he's Which, a, a, right, a young so. cost controlled defenseman. That you know the, the 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 defense market right now. Rasmus Ristolainen could go get five million bucks right now. Um, so he, he that's what an asset they have in Sam Gerrard, who is a hell of a hockey player to begin with. That they just have a an unbelievable pipeline. On that back end, and Devontae's is playing very well. So, whoever wins the uh, Sam Gerard, and you know what, he might just stay if if they figure something out. 
in Colorado. But whoever wins the uh, Sam Girard sweepstakes. He's uh, in a good spot. And, you know, honestly, yeah. I, I didn't even get the chance. Thank you, um, Brett slash Colt Stove Intern, for checking the cat figure on that. Oh, yeah. um, but that five and five million or so, the Islanders could do it because now, if you remember with the Johnny Boychuk trade, they're out of the bonus overage. They can start accruing cap space for this season. Their deadline cap space, if everything continues on the path they are right now, will be about $10 million. So they have the money to do it. Your, your newest Buffalo Sabre, not Alex Tuck, not Peyton Krebs, Johnny Boychuk. Print the jerseys. Good for him. I like I, I I hope I hope he goes there just for you know uh, for the people that don't know he's never playing another second of NHL Correct. hockey. I hope he goes just goes up to Chippewa and like uh, does like a, a fun thing with the fans because that you can have fun with that you know he's they picked up his contract in order to uh, meet the cap floor consistently when they do make moves this season like a Colin Miller for example would put them below the floor now they have the, the flexibility to do that in Buffalo. I think it's a fun player to have, you know, kind of phantomly on your roster as he gets paid by Terry Pagula and sits in his house wherever he may be. So shouts to Johnny Boychuk, your newest Buffalo Sabre. You mentioned offense is the best defense. Have you seen this guy, Connor McDavid, uh, do that thing against the Rangers? Which just no no better team to do that to than the Rangers because you can tell their fans get fired up. You mean the thing where he took the puck out of the offensive zone, circled around at the red line, went back into the offensive zone, his offensive zone. The Rangers had four guys kind of Olaying, just swinging their sticks at him. He just went through all of them. Then went around Georgiev, then yeah, scored the, a goal. Yep, that's he spit the out his mouthpiece before the puck even entered the net because he knew it was going in the net. You mean that one? That's the one I'm thinking of, yeah. Did you it's see you see Drysaddle is is he went from like, oh, I'm gonna go, you know, support to Coasting and watching what was happening. I, I, I laughed at that. I was like, oh my God. McDavid made the conscious decision to say, I'm going to do this and you cannot stop me. And Drysaddle started coasting and watching because he knew it was about to happen. It was unbelievable goal of the year. That's, not to mention, there was a pretty good one in Calgary too. You see the between the legs uh, flip over the goalie's shoulder move from Mr. Kachuk. That was a nice goal too. Both on the New York Rangers. I mean, that was a tough road. Tough <laughs> West Coast swing for... Uh... For the blue shirts, but really quick on the McDavid, I know this is going to sound like an extremely hot take, and I've watched plenty of Gretzky. I think we're almost at the point of saying where Connor Wayne Gretzky is the best hockey player to ever live in terms of his talent and then IQ of the game. I, I think nothing will ever surpass Wayne Gretzky. He's the best hockey player of all time because he adds the mental aspect of the game that nobody else has. But I wonder if we're vastly approaching the Connor McDavid is the most talented hockey player to ever live or ever play the game yeah i don't think um, there's i don't i think that's i i'm a, a total agreement with your take right yeah. there i think gretzky is a better hockey player because it is 20 percent physical 80 percent mental and i think gretzky more than surpasses that 80 percent on the iq side of the game but in terms of raw talent i think Connor mcdavid's the most talented hockey player we've ever been blessed with on this planet um yeah it's evident i mean the things that he does in the ice the speed the and what's really underrated in McDavid's game is the physicality, not necessarily in the hits that he throws. He doesn't throw a ton of hits, but the physicality and being able to drive through defenders like he did on that, that goal against the Rangers, be able to go into the corner, get pucks out, take a little shoulder, circle around the zone. Like his physicality to his game that goes beyond just throwing checks all the time is completely understated. The speed we obviously know about, the hands we know about. And this offseason, he said he was working on a one-timer, so that's really good for him. 
He found the one thing that he couldn't do well, and he started to do it well. Yeah, imagine that. Imagine that. Hey, Con- give Connor McDavid another weapon. I, you know what? He's got, his one timer is fine. It's fine. He doesn't need to improve that more than anything in the world. It's, he's he's an unbelievable hockey player. I will say, I think what what supports your take is that, and and I hate doing like goat talk here, like LeBron James versus Michael Jordan shit. Though I'll I'll end on this: the gap between Wayne Gretzky and the second best player in the league whenever he played was much further than the gap between Connor McDavid and the second best player in the NHL, which you could argue is, you know, playoff Nathan McKinnon, hot Austin Matthews. It's just a better league. It's just better athletes and better trained people. The talent pool is better and it's dispersed more evenly around the National Hockey League. So it's different. And I'm not even going to get into the goaltenders because I... That's the one thing I hate is the 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 goaltenders wore cricket equipment back when Gretzky played. I mean, Gretzky <laughs> was good, right? Like, I, I hate yeah. that take. But but like I said, I, I stand by saying that Conor McCabe might be the most talented hockey player that ever lived. Doesn't mean he's the best because there's a lot more that goes into it. But in terms of sheer physical talent and the ability to play the game in, you know, the physic, physical side, that meaning the skill side, I think Conor McDavid takes the cake there. You ready for some, uh, we'll do a little lightning round stuff right here. Start the uh, the Mario music, and we'll get into it. NRD Chipotle is now the official QSR, uh, quick service, Mexican restaurant of the NHL. Are you excited to see Chipotle in the mix? A lot of jokes on Twitter about this. Such a <laughs> niche sponsorship, right? Like, Well, good for the NHL. Get, get all the niche sponsorship you can, because they need cash and, and need it badly. Next, uh, we're going to see... Lysol is the official kitchen cleaner of the National Hockey League. I mean, mm-hmm. it's funny, but let's, I agree with you. Let's get all the sponsorship money if possible. You know, yeah, if, if you're not going to go full uh, finished league and put all the logos on uniforms, go full on niche and say, we're the official, uh, you know, who knows, we're the official shoelace of the NHL. We're the official, like, whatever it might be. The, somebody's going to be the official sandwich. Somebody's going to be the official fast casual uh, dining, whatever. Official. PVC plumbing pipe of the National Hockey League. There you go. Uh, Tuka Rask is back on the ice, entering his name into the equation. I would assume not in the very near future, but at least the short term, uh, with Swayman and Allmark. You happy to see Tuka back? I love Tuka. Tuka Rask is good. Shout out to one Feidelberg. Um, love that. Love that hook line. Tuka Rask is good. I agree with him there. I think that people, well, Boston fans more than any, have given Tuka Rask so much shit over the years for a guy who's just played well beyond what you really expect out of him at times. I think he's overachieved um, for his skill level and his talent. So there's no hate on Tuka. I love Tuka. The only thing I wonder is where he he said time and time again he doesn't want to play anywhere else but Boston, but where is the fit right now with Swayman and Omar? I mean, Swayman's clearly your guy of the future, and... I'd have to see Tuca back, but in terms of output right now, if you just told me Tuca started to skate and Allmark's there right now, I wouldn't think that Tuca would give you anything more than Allmark would at this point. So unless a team comes around and really wants to give you the moon for Linus Allmark and then you bring back Tuca Rask, I wonder where Tuca fits in to that. I think you're waiting on an injury in the net to bring back Tuca if you're Boston. I mean, if Tuca's open to other places, then then that changes the game. Sticking with the Bruins, their defense has not exactly been uh, as we've come to expect from the Bruins' defense. Is that a spot where you could see them making a move, much like New York? They're weak on the blue end. We've said 
for many years now that that's probably Boston's deficiency, even before Char left. And he was much better than he is now at the New York Islanders, but the decline was starting with Sedano Char a couple of years prior. And we said that they need to beef up on the blue line. The, the Mike Riley trade of last year, I, I really liked. I, I think that did wonders for them. But they have to improve that depth. And I wonder if we see something like that again this season. Maybe, you know, if a, if a Patrick Nemeth shakes loose in New York with the Rangers and becomes available. If uh, it's rare to see a Toronto-Boston trade. But I wonder if Boston would lowball, but maybe get into the conversation on a Travis Dermott if, if he continues to be available in Toronto. I think you're looking at not a... There's no marquee move that Boston can make at this point. I don't think they can afford a marquee move on defense. But if you bring in a guy that could play a solid solid middle to bottom of the four minutes, I think you have to consider that if you're Boston. I wonder if the if the Bruins are just kind of just kind of toast on the on the timeline of their whole roster. You know, is is the window over? They have good young talent, but they have they just kind of have to balance it with the old guys who knows I, I'm a big fan of the Bruins fans I'm not a huge fan of the Bruins period but big fan of the Bruins fans I'm a fan of the Buffalo Sabres somebody asked me if they're trading Victor Olofsson and the answer is no he will not be going that being said they do have a bunch of guys that could be going places as the trade deadline approaches uh, NRD they have one one person on the blue line or in net that is signed through next year. That's Rasmus Dahlin. They don't have a goalie nor a defenseman signed after this year. Obviously, that'll change. Like Jacob Bryson's a free agent, uh, excuse me, a, uh, an RFA, and Owen Power will be up with the team next year. They have Matias Samuelson coming back from injury. But they're, Colin Miller, Will Butcher, Robert Hag, Mark Pizik, and Christian Wolanin are all free agents at the end of the season. Watch for some uh, some movement there. Victor Olofsson is an RFA after this season. He will not be going. In my, uh, in my limited research I did on that because I didn't really buy that rumor to begin with, one text and that's a, no, we, li- we like him. Correct. I-, I think in the net for Buffalo, the to me and Buffalo fans, and you might even tell me off for this take, I, I, as an outsider, I'm a little disappointed in UPL and that oh, he's very not ready to play. I think that that changes a lot. I think there was a lot of um, hope for UPL to be in the NHL this season. And the fact that he's not makes you think that Buffalo has to look elsewhere for next year and that he's not the answer in net going forward. And that even if he is, he's a, he's a all Mark Swayman tandem with somebody else, right? Like he's right. not the guy that they once thought he was. Um, so... I'll bring it up. I brought it up when we were talking about the Eichel stuff. I'll bring it up again. And he's got a no movement clause, so nobody really knows where his head's at. But if you're Buffalo, you you have to make a phone call on John Gibson. Yeah, well, I you mean, absolutely. Um, they, they'll you know, but they have they have guys like an Eric Portillo, who's the starting goalie in Michigan right now. They have guys like Devin Levi, who's the starting goalie at Northeastern that they got in the uh, Sam Reinhardt deal. If UPL is not the answer, which I know uh, when I checked in on Eunice Corposalo further to Buffalo, because I'd heard that smoke and it ought to make sense, so I, I double-checked on that with somebody else close to the team. They said, yeah, Cor- Corposalo is, is not not necessarily the number one on their uh, their big board 
if you're looking at free agents in the in the Buffalo dressing room. UPL, I know Kevin Adams was very high on, and he wishes more than anything that he came in in camp and took that job. Unfortunately, he did not and has been brutal in Rochester. That being said, Rochester gives up like more shots than anybody in history in the AHL right now. They're just a high event team that's got a fun line now uh, with Paterka Cousins, or not, excuse me, not Cousins, Paterka Quinn and, uh, uh, oh, who, who am I blanking on? Paterka Quinn, oh, and, and Peyton Krebs, because um, they sent him to Rochester. But boy, do they give up a ton of shots, man. Keeping it uh, in the, I was just say the, the same division. They're not the same division. Keeping it in the Northeast, Miles Wood is now out uh, in New Jersey for a little bit. Can you see them needing some firepower on the wing in, a, in the form of a trade? Or are they still in acquire pieces mode? They're still in acquire pieces mode. I don't think they're quite there right now, and especially with the Jack Hughes injury as well. He's, he's missing uh, another four or five weeks at this point with his shoulder injury. You, you don't really know what you have. I mean, they could be one of those teams that get hashtag frisky and get a little hot at the end of the year, but we don't know right now because their their main guys are not in place with the Hughes injury and the mile and the Miles Wood injury. Um so they're not the type of team that you go out and reward those young guys with a Phil Kessel or or a Vladimir Tarasenko. Just because it doesn't really make sense because I don't think they have the pieces in place to go for it this year and injuries have kind of derailed any hope of a young team getting hot. So I think it's stay the course time in, in in New Jersey, and I think that you're looking at, like you said, pieces at the deadline over over rentals or you know a winger that puts you over the hump because they're not even at the hump to be put over yet. Yeah, I don't think they're they're not ready. They're a very fun team to watch. They're a talented team. I like that Nico Heischer is going to be all right. I'm, I'm I didn't like hearing all the doubters on him. I'm glad he's going to be a good player. I don't think they're, they're not their year yet. Not their year yet. Good young no. team. They'll be there. They're, yeah, they're they extremely will. talented. I also don't think Lindy Ruff is the coach that gets them there. Yeah, Lindy, you know, he's one of those guys we talk about, the coaches that get you through the rebuild and build you uh, into a contender. Then there's the guys that close the deal. Lindy Ruff feels like a close the deal guy to me. Um, NRD, though, that'll do it for us on Cold Stove today. Anything, uh, any topic that we did not, did not get to that you need to uh, opine on? No. Feel great. Call it reset was the word of the day. I think yeah. you're doing the word of the day at home, kids. It's reset. I think after the Jack Eichel news and weeks and weeks and months of Jack Eichel being, you know, in limbo, take time. We'll reset. I think we painted a good picture for, for you all listening about what's going on around the National Hockey League, where teams might potentially turn to going forward. And we just sit back and see when that happens. We got some time before the deadline. We got some time before the Christmas trade freeze and the all-star break. You'll You'll start to see some posturing going on from teams but not not today that's why a good day to kind of set the scene for you guys going forward the the fast food at the end uh, at the airport at the end of a long trip the cigarette in bed the morning after that's what today's cold stove is all about nrd where can the people find you find me on twitter at, at nhl rumors daily like we said last week not leaving twitter here to stay <laughs> the rumors are flying in there Cold Stove Pod, great. You want to go more in depth and you want to hear some exclusive stuff, you come listen to this podcast and you do it every week and you subscribe and you leave a five-star review and, yeah, and you tell us why you love it. the show. Yeah, we need those reviews. Let's I do, told uh, you guys, I would stop bragging when you guys start. I, I want all 70,000 reviews in and I'll stop pumping my tires. Unfortunately, oh. I didn't get to do it on the Jack Eichel pod because it was too short to really go into it to a um, 
tire pumping segment, but but we did hit that. So you know, good for us. A big win for the show, and keep leaving those five star reviews and, and telling us why you enjoy listening to the Cold Slow Pod. Yeah, we'll do some uh, reviews the, at the top of next week's show. How about that? Sounds good to me. I am at Schmerriman, and let before we get out of here, I just did see on Twitter Frank Saravalli saying Habs and Canadians in the Kravtsov sweepstakes. So we have some homework to do, NRD. Um, follow Cold Stove on Twitter and Instagram at Cold Stove Pod and shoot us questions or topics that we need to cover. We got to some of yours today, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Awesome. Peace.